Hello and welcome to the Standing for Truth Ministries podcast. I'm your host, Donnie Bedinsky, and together we will venture on a journey to explore the truth of biblical creation. Our ministry is also available on YouTube, so please search Standing for Truth and get access to the video versions of our programs. I'm Donnie Bedinsky, and as usual, stay awesome and trust in the truth of God's Word. It looks like we are live, everybody. Welcome to Standing for Truth. I am your host, SFT, and tonight we have an awesome debate on end times theology between two very, very seasoned debaters, Dr. Kent Hoven and Stacey Turbville. To be specific, the topic of the night is, is the future post-tribulation rapture biblical? So it's going to be a ton of fun, the much-anticipated debate. Now, Kent takes the uh, post-tribulation rapture position, while, from my understanding, uh, Stacy takes the full preterist position. Now, before we uh, introduce the debaters, I want them to kind of uh, break the ice. Let's get to know each other a little bit before we uh, get into the actual opening statements. I do want to let everybody uh, know, anybody who's not yet subscribe but they love debates interviews discussions lectures please uh please make sure to hit that subscribe button because we got uh more debates for you guys uh next week we've got dr hoven back here with us again uh kent you're a busy man he's going to be debating sky out on the local flood versus the global flood and stacy as well is going to be back here uh next week debating matt slick trinity versus oneness what is the biblical view of god so lots to look forward to please hit that subscribe button uh that being said trinity versus oneness what is the biblical view of stacy to look forward to please hit that subscribe let me see who it's from uh that being said trinity oh it might be coming from dr hoven i can hear the, I'm not sure if you have a video of the stream open in the background. Oh, it might be coming from Dr. Cole. I can't hear you. The, I'm not sure if you have a video. Can you hear the air conditioning unit way over there? No, no, no. I, I can hear the um, a video stream in the background. I can't hear anything in the background. I'm not sure if you have a video. Can you hear the air conditioning unit way over there? No, no, no. I can hear the. There was a video stream in the background. I can't hear you. Is that better? Can you hear the air conditioning unit way over there? Is that better? I can hear an echo coming from video stream. I can't hear you at all. I can't hear you. Standing for truth. Is that better? Can you hear the air conditioning unit? Stacy, can you hear kind of like a, a feedback in the background or is it just on my end? Do you no, hear I hear it. Okay. Okay. Um, I just muted you, Dr. Hoven. There might be, I, I'm not sure if on your computer or the phone or something, we might have the stream open in the background. Yeah. Muted you, Dr. Hoven. There might be, so I can hear the. Let me see if I'm on your end. Looks like your mic settings are good. It just sounds like the the, the stream itself might be open in another. Oh, Is I think we, we fixed it. We're all good. We're all good. So, um, yes, sounds good on my end. Stacy, does it sound good on your end? Yeah. Yeah, I'm not hearing anything. So problem solved. Uh, thank you so much. So okay. that being said, gentlemen, let's, let's kind of get to know each other. We've already got a great chat. 
uh, over 110 people currently. So it's going to be definitely a great show. So to the audience, please, when you're tagging me with your questions, make sure you are tagging me at Standing for Truth. That way I don't miss your question for the audience Q&A. So why don't we start with uh, Dr. Hoven. This is about your uh, 23rd time here. So you're not, uh, you're no stranger to this channel and debate. I think this is your 251st debate. Uh, why don't we, uh, a little bit about yourself. How's everything going on at Dow? Uh, go ahead, brother. All right. Well, thank you for having me. My name is Kent Hovind. I, I've been a ordained Baptist preacher for 47 years. I taught high school science and math for 15 years. I moved to Pensacola in January of 89 and started a ministry called Creation Science Evangelism to take the uh, scientific evidence uh, that's available and support the creation story. And we have a video series on science in the Bible, the creation seminar series, 50 bucks for 18 hours on all about where dinosaurs fit into the Bible and man always lived with them. And so it's really been of interest to me in the last 10 years, I guess, about the end times. The Bible says at the end of time, the scoffers will be ignorant of the creation and the flood and the coming judgment of God. Well, I talked about the creation and flood for many, many years. and The coming judgment of God, I kind of left alone. So I'm excited to have this debate tonight. I believe the Bible is true from cover to cover. Go ahead. Awesome. I appreciate that introduction. I am excited as well. Very important topic, uh, end times theology. So Stacy, uh, it's not your first time here as well. Like Kent, you're, you're a seasoned debater. Uh, what, what's going on? A little bit about yourself for the audience. Uh, go ahead. Um, I've been studying scripture over 20 years. Uh, a friend of mine in 2001 got me into this um, end time stuff. He was all excited about uh, pre-trib, um, the Left Behind series, all those movies and so I got into studying it, and um, so that's where I'm in today. I did, did some big changes. I went to all millennial um, probably within six months, and then in about 2006 went um, partial preterist, and then about 2010 full preterist, and so um, that's, that's where I'm at today on this topic. Well, I appreciate the introductions from the both of you, Stacy and Kent. Thanks so much for being here and giving us your time for this important debate. So real quick, before we hand it to Stacy for his opening statement, I'm going to go over the format for the night. So we've got a formal debate, 12 minute opening statements, followed by eight minute uninterrupted rebuttals. Then we're going to have a free flowing organic discussion where the debaters of the night are asking each other questions. As always, we like to keep it cordial, respectful, equally timed, focusing on one topic at a time. Then we're going to end it with five minute closing statements and then we're going to have an audience Q&A. So that's where we get you guys involved. As I said before, make sure you're tagging me at Standing for Truth with your questions. So that being said, let's get right into it then. Uh, Stacy. we're going to start with you. You've got a 12 minute opening statement. Once you reach the 11 minute mark, I'll let you know, hey, Stacy, you got one minute left, then you'll know to kind of start winding things down. So whenever you're ready, the floor is yours. All right, so I want to go back to the first of Scripture where I think um, things kind of got messed up in orthodoxy. Um, in the beginning, God was talking to Adam, and he said, The day you eat of the tree of good and evil, you will surely die. Well, the serpent comes along, and he deceives Eve, and they both eat of the tree, and but they don't die. God shows up, says, you ate of the tree. Um, they didn't die physically, but they died spiritually. And that's what everybody's missing. Um, this, this book we call the Bible is about the spiritual kingdom, God's kingdom. Um, 
So Adam, he ended up living over 800 more years. But God was talking about the spiritual, and that's what died in Adam. So as he's sitting there talking to the serpent and Adam and Eve, he looks at the serpent and said, um, I will have make enemies between uh, your offspring and her descendant. And I will take her descendant and crush your head and you'll crush his heel. Um, his offspring is talking about the dead, the spiritually dead, talking about the serpent. From now on, man was going to be spiritually dead because of what Adam did. And the descendant, um, singular, is talking about Jesus. This is the first promise of Jesus, um, the descendant of Eve, that will bring about spiritual resurrection. So that sets the tone for the rest of Scripture. All of the Old Testament is going to be about a prophecy about this coming seed of Eve. Um, eventually keeps going through the line all the way to David, and that's why it says he's the seed of David. Um, it's, it's Jesus, all about Jesus. And Jesus is the spiritual resurrection. Um, so that sets the background. Um, what we're talking about tonight is when does this take place? When is this um, spiritual um, leader going to come and, and uh, bring resurrection back to people? Um, and it's mainly about going to be about this covenant that was promised to Eve, that her seed was going to bring about this spiritual resurrection. And that covenant um, is starting to talk about in Daniel. In Daniel 2, there's a promise. And um, he sees these four kingdoms, and it says during these four kings, God's going to set up his kingdom that's made without hands. That means spiritual. The fourth kingdom is the Roman Empire. So it says during these four kingdoms. So it has to be during the time of those four kingdoms being on earth. So um, that sets the stage of the first time indicator when it's going to happen. When you go to seven, um, when you go to seven, it says um, the son of man goes up to the ancient of days and he's handed the kingdom. So the kingdom begins um, after Jesus goes to heaven. And it says, um, in, in, this is all in chapter 7, and it says um, the fourth beast that is going to make war with the saints, which is the Roman Empire, um, made war until the Ancient of Days came, which is the Father who came invisibly, and we'll talk about that, in judgment. Um, and, he, and the uh, saints gained the kingdom. Um, for 40 years, there's going to be a battle between the Old and New Covenant between Jesus's uh, res uh, ascension and when the old covenant was taken away. And I'm going to talk about that in a second. But let's go through some more Daniel. Daniel 9 sets up another time indicator. And, it, and it's a 70-week uh, promise of the people of Daniel. And he's going to take the kingdom away from them um, and give them to another nation. But what it's talking about is it says... Um, when it's going to happen. And it starts out when the decree is to rebuild the temple to the time of the Messiah, the prince. And that's 69 weeks. So that goes a, a year in, the, in this prophecy. The seven weeks represents seven years. So altogether, 70 times seven is 490 years. So for 69 weeks, which is 483 years, um, leads us up to the Messiah, the prince. Now, what does this say happens in that last week? 
It says, after the 69th week, the Messiah's cut off. Um, and it says, the um, people of the prince comes and destroys the city and sanctuary. But then it goes, it backs up and goes into detail what happens during that seventh week. And it says, in the middle of the week, the sacrifice and grain offering ends. That's when Jesus died on the cross. His sacrifice ended all other sacrifices. And so that's what it's talking about there. For, so for three and a half years, Jesus preaches to Israel, and then he's crucified. Then the next three and a half, the uh, apostles go out and they preach um, to Israel only. And then Peter gets the vision um, that the Gentiles are clean, and then he goes out and preaches to the Gentiles. But um, so, so that sets up the stage for the Daniel 70-week prophecy. Now, the end, of, the end is determined, it says, um, and the, um, it says, and destruction will come. It's talking about the end of the city and the sanctuary when it's destroyed. Because of Jesus dying on the cross and ending the old covenant, the promise that the city and the uh, temple is going to be destroyed. So when you go over to the New Testament, um, let's see if this these time indicators um, are what the apostles taught in Jesus. And if you go to Matthew uh, Matthew 10, Jesus tells the uh, disciples, he says, before you preach to all the cities of Israel, the Son of Man will come. Then in, verse, then in chapter 16, 27 to 28, he says, some of you standing here will not taste death until the Son of Man comes with his angels. And that's the resurrection and judgment. Um, I'm going to slip back to Daniel 12. I didn't go over. Uh, there's a passage in Daniel 12. It talks about, it actually prophesies the resurrection, Jesus' uh, return, the resurrection, and the going out of the gospel. If you read the first three chapters of Daniel 12, that's what you have. Um, it says, Michael stands up, the great prince, and there will be a time of tribulation. And then the book, the book of life and the books are opened, and the resurrection of dead happens. And then the gospel is given out in verse 3. Now, when does it happen? Uh, Revelation, uh, Daniel 12, 7 tells you. It says, when the power of the holy people are shattered is when the, all these things take place. The holy people in the Old Testament is Old Covenant Israel. So their power being shattered is their temple um, and their city, Jerusalem. So now let's go back over to the New Testament. In Matthew, um, Jesus, once again in 16, he said, some of you standing here will not taste death until the Son of Man returns. That is a powerful statement. You go to 23, Jesus is talking to the Pharisees, and he says, all the judgment of all the um, blood of all the prophets will be on your generation. And as he walks away, the apostles follow him, and he asks him, you know, when is the sign of your coming in the end of the age? They're talking about the old covenant age, not the world. So, and notice he said the sign of his coming. Um, Jesus said in Luke 17, 22, there will never be another day of the Son of Man. The Son of Man is not going to come on a cloud, a little five foot five Jewish man landing on earth. That's not what the Bible teaches. Um, the kingdom of God uh, is without observation, Luke 17, 20. So it, it happens invisibly. That's why the and apostles knew this. That's why they said, what is the sign of your coming in Matthew 24, 3? And notice in 24, 15, Jesus says, um, you will see the abomination of desolation, talking to the disciples. Then he said, um, uh, you're going to go through these tribulations. 
the great tribulation, it says um, in Matthew 24, he said he tells the apostles they're going to go through it. And then he said immediately after um, the son of man will come on the cloud with his angels. You can read that in 28 through 33. And in 34 it says all this will happen in this generation. So the son of man um, is going to come on the clouds. That's judgment language. If you read Isaiah 13 and Isaiah 19, the Hebraic thought is something people don't understand um, because they don't study the Old Testament. Um, when it says coming on the clouds in Scripture, it's talking about judgment from one military army to another nation. It's not talking about a man riding on a cloud. You can read Isaiah 19 and get that. Same thing with sun and moon. G uh, Jesus said the sun and moon would not give its light. Um, and the stars will fall in Matthew uh, 24, 29. That's uh, judgment language from the Old Testament. It's not literal. It's non-literal um, hyper judgment language that was used um, by God in the Old Testament, talking about judgment of Babylon and talking about judgment of Egypt. It was not literally the, the sun and moon falling in the Old Testament. Otherwise, the world would have ended. It's just judgment language. It's non-literal. Um, you can get that in Isaiah 13 and Isaiah 19. Um, people melting, all that's judgment language. It's not really happening. Just like Peter in 2 Peter 3, talking about the earth melting with fervent heat. It's non-literal. It's just talking about a power change. Sun and moon and stars is used for, is, is talking about kingdoms. Remember Joseph, when he was had that vision of the sun, moon, and stars bowing to him? Immediately, Jacob recognized that that was him, his wife, and his, his sons. They, they um, associated sun, moon, and stars to them, that kingdom. And that's just um, Hebraic terminology. It's not literal. The sun, moon, and stars are not, not going to fall out of the sky. It's just non-literal language. Um, because if you study the earth, the literal verses, in it, it says the earth is here forever. It sits on its axis forever. Psalms 104, 5, um, Jeremiah 33, 20 through 30, uh, 26. Um, one minute, one minute. The earth is here forever. It's not going to be destroyed. It's just all non-literal judgment language. Now let's run over to Revelations real quick. All the time indicators of Revelations. Revelations is about the great tribulation destroying Jerusalem from 67 to 70 AD. If you look at every time indicator, the letters is to the cities outside of uh, Israel because um, Jerusalem is going to be destroyed. So those cities are going to take the gospel to the world. Those were seven real cities in the first century. Um, and John is told these things are shortly to take place for the time is at hand. It was all about to happen. If you go to, that's why the 144,000 are called the first fruits of God. Uh, Revelation 14, 4. 17.10 uh, said the sixth king is reigning at the time it was being given out. That was Nero, who reigned from 54 to 68. Um, uh, 11 2 says the temple, John's told to measure the temple. That means the temple hadn't been destroyed yet. Um, and uh, Revelation 22, Jesus says, I'm coming quickly. But we'll, we'll go over some more of this. But all the scriptures about ending the old covenant and ushering the kingdom, the new covenant kingdom, God's spirit in us. 
I appreciate that opening statement, uh, Stacy. That's 12 minutes wrapped up just in time. I want to thank the audience for all the questions, super chat, super stickers flying in. We're over 200 people right now for this epic, epic debate. So that being said, again, Stacy, I appreciate the opening statement. We're going to hand it over to Kent. Kent, you now have the floor for, for uh, 12 minutes whenever you're ready. Well, thank you, sir. appreciate that. I've written a book on this topic called What on Earth is About to Happen, for Heaven's Sake as well as my chart behind me. I don't know if you can see that or not. And my, uh, this has been a study of mine for many years. I've been a Christian for a long time. Uh, got saved at age 16. The uh, chart uh, showing uh, what's going to happen. You can get it on our bookstore, drdino.com. This is a great subject of great interest to me. We're in Lenox, Alabama, straight north of Pensacola, 70 miles. We're in the middle of no place, a town of 30, what, six people. And we're building Dinosaur Adventure Land. Come on up and visit. The Bible clearly teaches that the creation was about 6,000 years ago or 4,000 BC. You get that by adding up the dates in the Bible. It says how old Adam was. Adam was 130 when Seth was born, and Seth was 105 when Enos was born. And you can get our chart. You add up the dates in the Bible, it comes to about 4,000 BC. The Bible says the scoffers will be ignorant of the flood. And our video number five and four, five, and six are all about that topic. And they're ignorant of the coming judgment of God. The key points are. The creation, when was it? About 4,000 B.C. The flood, 2,400 B.C. Daniel's prophecies, about 600 B.C. And this is really where you have to start to study the future. Start with the book of Daniel. So I agree very much uh, with uh, uh, Stacy that he's uh, they start with the book of Daniel. And then uh, number four, we have the 70th week of Daniel. Now, I'm a strong believer that uh, he's incorrect. This is still yet future. There were 69 weeks fulfilled when the Messiah was rejected by the Jews and crucified. The 70th week is still yet to come. There's a seven-year period. Uh, I agree that a week is a, a group of seven years. I think almost all scholars agree on that. But I think the 70th week is yet to come. Way uh, Probably going to start this year. Hoven theory couldn't prove it, but we'll see. Then we have a, a be between three and four, there's a 2,000-year a period known as the time of the Gentiles. This is when the wild olive branch has been grafted in from Romans chapter 8, and we're not bearing much fruit either, so he's going to take us out and graft the Jews back in. I think we're in the time of the Gentiles, and the Jews are going to be key one more time for seven years. Okay, And then we have uh, part five is the thousand-year reign of Christ, and I cover that in my book and on my video series, and the final judgment of God. And so what do we do about it? Okay, there's a worldwide flood 4,400 years ago, and Daniel was taken away captive to Babylon. Uh, as a slave, made a eunuch. You can look that up. And so they took all these young men, made them eunuchs, and made them serve the king of Babylon. And it says uh, Daniel had a vision. He said, God told Daniel, 70 weeks are appointed for your people. And I think everybody agrees that a week is a group of seven years. 69 weeks was fulfilled when Jesus was crucified. Messiah will be cut off. You can read the whole prophecy back in the book of Daniel. Daniel chapter 9, while I was speaking in prayer, the man Gabriel <clears throat> touched me, verse 22, he informed me and said, O Daniel, I'm come to give thee skill and understanding. At the beginning of thy supplications, I was sent to talk to you, and he had to fight with the devil for a while. Verse 24, 70 weeks are determined upon thy people and upon the holy city. You can get my video series on this topic where I go in great detail for many hours, the woe series, what on earth is about to happen. So I'm going to skip that for now. You can get the whole series for 100 bucks if you want that. He said, uh, <clears throat> verse 25, Know therefore and understand from the going forth of the commandment, to restore and to build Jerusalem. How do you know when to, when to start, start the clock? When they give that commandment to rebuild Jerusalem. And that was done 
69 weeks or 483 years before Jesus was crucified, when Nehemiah was told to go back and rebuild the wall, and then Ezra was told to go back and rebuild the temple. We get all that in our book here. So there is that little yellow stripe on the bottom, the timeline, the 6,000-year timeline down here uh, at the bottom, if I can point to it. Let's see on the chart. There we go. Starts with the creation, goes to the flood, Daniel's prophecies. There's a little yellow stripe right here about the 70th week of Daniel. It is greatly expanded up on the top to be the yellow chart there. I think it has five parts to it, and we'll see. When Daniel was looking at this, it's like looking at mountains. When you look at a mountain range, they might look like they're right behind the other, and you can't see the big valley in between. He could not see in 600 BC the big 2,000-year gap of the age of the Gentiles, the times of the Gentiles Jesus talked about. That's about to come to a close. So I think this is the prophecy looking into the future. 2,000-year gap called the church age between the crucifixion and the second coming of Christ. He has not come back yet. He's still coming, okay? This 2,000-year gap, where I think we're awfully close to the end. In Luke 21, Jesus said they'll fall by the sword. They'll be led away captive until the times of the Gentiles be fulfilled. And the Jews have been scattered all over the world during this last 2,000 years. When he was come near, he wept over it. He said, I wish you guys would listen to me. He said, let not your heart be troubled. He said, I go to prepare a place for you. I'm going to come again and receive you. And they said, Lord, will you restore the kingdom now? Acts chapter 1, after the resurrection. He said, it's not for you to know the times or the seasons. It's not for you guys to know. He said, but the Holy Ghost is going to come down, and he's going to be in you, and he, you shall be witnesses both in Jerusalem and Judea and to all the earth. So I want you guys to go out witnessing, which is what we're supposed to do. And while he was, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight, and while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, two men stood by them in white apparel and said, why are you standing here looking up? This same Jesus is going to come in like manner. He went up in a cloud. He's coming back in a cloud. That hasn't happened yet. That's coming soon. There are two parts to the second coming. If you look at the upper yellow stripe, A, B, C, D, and E, he comes down only as far as the clouds, calls up the Christians at the end of the tribulation in part E. And then we're here for the whole seven years. I used to believe we're pre-trib rapture. I wish it was true. It's not, okay? And then three, about three years later, after the time of God's wrath, he comes down again, and this time he touches down on the earth, and the Mount of Olives splits in half. So I think this thousand-year period, uh, a thousand years is a day, and there's still part five here, there's a thousand-year kingdom coming where God himself rules the world. And it has five parts to it, A, B, C, D, and E. And we cover all that in my book and series. Okay, let's see. Uh, so what do we do? All right. All right. Here. At the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word should be established. Uh, I want to get up to Matthew 24. At the beginning of Matthew 24, he sat on the Mount of Olives. The disciples came to him privately saying, tell us, when shall these things be and what shall be the sign of thy coming? That caught my attention when I was studying this years ago. I said, wow. They asked him a clear question. Lord, when are you coming and what's the sign? So I have Matthew 24. Uh, right here on my chart, this passage typed out, and Mark 13 and Luke 21. All three are parallel passages. Lord, when are you coming? And what's the sign we should watch for? Luke thir or Mark 13. Lord, when are you coming? And what's the sign? Uh, Luke 21. Lord, when shall these things be? And what shall be the sign? So you can see at the beginning of each of these passages, they're asking him the question. For the next 23 verses in Matthew, he describes a time of great tribulation. In Mark, he takes 19 verses and describes a time of great tribulation. 
In Luke, he takes 17 verses. In the middle of each of these, he describes a time when the Antichrist breaks the treaty and sets up the abomination of desolation. It all ties right back in with Daniel's vision in the midst of the week, three and a half years later. So he's coming after the tribulation. He said so. There's the times of tribulation. He answers their question at the bottom. He said in Matthew, in verse number uh, 29, immediately after the tribulation, he's going to come in the clouds. You can read it for yourself. He said the same thing in Mark uh, chapter 13, down in verse number 24. They asked him at the beginning, Lord, when are you coming? He answered their question. In those days, after the tribulation, the sun shall be darkened, the moon shall not give her light, stars from heaven shall fall. And in verse 26, he shall gather his, together his elect from the four winds. The Christians have been waiting uh, for a long time for what's the event known as the rapture. It comes from the Greek word to snatch something away. You see an apple on the table, you snatch it away quickly, a rapture. Jesus is going to come back and rapture his children out of here. They were told, he's, why are you guys looking up? He went up in a cloud, he's coming back in a cloud. First Thessalonians talks about this. Many verses talk about him coming in the clouds, blowing a trumpet, calling up his elect. They're those who've been saved. In Matthew 24, uh, 20, 30. Matthew 24, 30. And then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven, and then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn, for they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he shall send his angels with the sound of a trumpet, and they shall gather together his elect from the four winds. It's, it, I missed it for many years of my Christian life, and I'm embarrassed about that. It was clear as a bell right there. So there's going to come a time of tribulation and then a time when we come back. So here at the end, he answers their questions. I'm coming back after the tribulation when the sun and the moon go dark. There's the passage in Matthew 24. Immediately after the tribulation, shall the sun be darkened and the moon shall not give her light. Mark 13, same thing, after the tribulation. And then shall they see the Son of Man coming in the clouds. So the sun and the moon going dark is the sign. He told him, they asked him, what's the sign? Jews seek after a sign. He said, the sun and the moon going dark. Well, that's mentioned 10 times in the Bible. In Joel is the first one. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the great and terrible day of the Lord come. It's in Acts chapter 2. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the great and notable day of the Lord. The day of the Lord is the thousand-year kingdom. The day of Christ is the rapture. They're not the same. When he'd spoken these things, a cloud received him out of their sight, Acts chapter 1. And the guy said, why are you standing here? He's going to come in like manner, Acts 1, 9, 9, 10, and 11. So the sequence, I think, is very simple. There's a time of tribulation coming, probably starting this year. Hoven theory, don't know. Then the sun and the moon are going to go dark. That'll be seven years later. Then the day of the Lord comes, which is a thousand-year period. There's a tribulation time. Tribula tribulum. Tribulation is what the world does to us. Jesus said, in the world you shall have tribulation. They're going to hate you for my namesake, and they're going to persecute you and beat you and kill you and all kinds of mean things, and they've done that for 2,000 years. Read Fox's Book of Martyrs. Then there's a time of wrath. Now, tribulation is what we, what the world does to us. Wrath is what God does to the world. We are not appointed unto wrath. We will not be here when the wrath of God falls, but we will be here for the tribulation. The day of Christ is a one-day event. Poof, the rapture, we're out of here. The day of the Lord is a thousand-year period. The day of the Lord is mentioned a hundred times, and it's got two parts to it, a time of wrath and a time of great blessing. You can read all the phrases. Be sure to get a King James and read all the verses about the day of the Lord. So that 70th week of Daniel, I think, has not started yet. I think it starts probably this fall.
we'll see. I don't know. It's sure looking like all the signs are pointed that way. I think we're going to see a time when you have to receive a mark in order to be able to buy or sell. That's coming like a freight train. Seventy weeks are determined upon thy people to finish the transgression, to uh, make an end of sins, and to make reconciliation for iniquity, to bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal up the vision, and to anoint the most holy. I think we would all agree Jesus is not currently ruling the world. I wish he was, and it's not a spiritual thing. I mean, this is a physical. He's going to be here on earth and rule and reign with a rod of iron from Jerusalem. So uh, the, angel, the angel told Daniel, Know therefore and understand, from the going forth of the command to restore and build Jerusalem unto Messiah the Prince shall be seven weeks and threescore and two weeks, 69. And sure enough, they gave the command to re, they gave the command to rebuild the temple, and it's covered in Second Chronicles and Ezra and Nehemiah. 69 weeks later, 483 years exactly, Jesus was crucified. So from the command, it was exactly 483 years. So we cover all that in my series, and I'm out of time, but thank you so much. Uh, we'll talk some more about that. So I have to strongly disagree. I think that it's not happened yet. It's still future. It's still coming, probably starting soon. We'll see. Go ahead. All right. I appreciate it, Dr. Hoven. I appreciate that opening statement. I appreciate the opening statements from the both of you. Again, thank you so much to the chat. Uh, we have set a new record. Our record uh, two weeks ago was between uh, Dr. Rhodes and Dr. Hoven. And uh, we just beat that. We're at about 263 people live for this uh, awesome, awesome debate. So uh, thank you, Kent and Stacy. That being said, we're going to hand it over to Stacy. Stacy, you now have an eight minute uninterrupted rebuttal. And I got to be a little bit more strict with the rebuttal. So I'll, uh, as I did before, I'll give you a one minute warning at the seven minute mark. So go ahead, Stacy. The floor is yours. Um, I like Kent's enthusiasm. <laughs> but um, the thing with futurists is they ignore all the time indicators in the scripture. Um, there's over 80 and every single one is a first century fulfillment. I can't find a single one that you can place in the distant future. The reason for that is scripture is about ushering in this new covenant where God is going to be amongst us, his spirit in us, writing his laws on our hearts. God is a spirit. He's omnipresent. He's invisible. It's not a little man sitting in Jerusalem somewhere. Um, that's not scripture. The kingdom was going to be spiritual. The new Jerusalem is a spiritual kingdom. It's um it's, that's just clearly what they taught. Um, many passages in the Old Testament is about this promised new covenant kingdom, and it's God's spirit, um, which is is the kingdom talked about in Daniel, the promise in Daniel 2, the time indicators in 7 and 9 and 12, when it would take place, would be during those four kingdoms, and the last was Rome. So it had to have already happened. Um every single time indicator. And um, there's a very interesting passage um, in Luke, and it says in Luke 21, if you read 20 through 22, it says, um, when you see the armies surround Jerusalem, flee to the mountains, for this is the time when all that is written is fulfilled. All scripture. Daniel 12 is the resurrection, um, the return of Christ, the resurrection, and the gospel going out. So all scriptures fulfilled when this army surrounds and destroys Jerusalem and the temple, the old covenant. In fact, Hebrews 9, 8 says um, that's when heaven is opened, um, is when that temple's destroyed. And that's when the new covenant comes, God's spirit. 
And that's also when the resurrection of the dead happens. The resurrection of the dead is everybody who died during the old covenant, not at the end of the world. It's all the Daniel's uh, forefathers and all, all the people who believed and didn't believe in the old covenant age. Um, as Daniel says, um, as Daniel 12, 13 promises, he tells Daniel, um, we're going to seal the vision for the time is not now. Um, you'll go lay with your fathers until the end of the age. The end of the age is the end of the old covenant age. And that's when um, everybody was resurrected. Um, and that, because that's when heaven was open. You didn't have any access. When people died before the uh, temple was destroyed, um, they were called asleep in Christ. That's why uh, Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians 15, the resurrection is a spiritual resurrection. Their bodies died. Um, and they were asleep, and he talk, told them that at the last trumpet, um, they will be resurrected. Um, but they were going to be resurrected spiritually. Um, 1 Corinthians 15, 42 through 49, in a spiritual body. That means invisible. That's why they didn't see the resurrection. It, uh, as Jesus said, um, as lightning from the east to the west, so will the Son of Man come. It, it was so it was quick, like in the twinkling of an eye. Um but it came without observation. That's why the apostles uh, and the apostles knew it. That's why they said, uh, what is the sign of your coming? The sign was the destruction of Jerusalem and destruction of the temple. Um, but notice it says um, Jesus told him to flee to the mountains. It was a local judgment. This is not a worldwide event where the God's going to destroy the planet. It's a local judgment destroying Jerusalem and the city, the city that killed the prophets. It's all about that ju judgment from 67 to 70 AD, getting rid of the old covenant so that God's kingdom can flourish. Um, if you go to um, talking about um, the kingdom, is clearly um, local judgment. If you remember Noah, after he got off um, the ark, God made a promise he'll never again destroy the earth and all the creatures on it like I have here. So the, I'm all for the... Um, global um, destruction um, through the flood. But this destruction was local because um, God made a promise. He's never again going to destroy all the creatures off the earth in Genesis um, 8, 21. This is clearly local judgment. It says, as the days of Lot, so will the uh, Son of Man coming be. What happened in the days of Lot? It said, once Lot left the city, Sodom and Gomorrah was destroyed. So notice Lot survived. He comes out of the city, but the city's destroyed. Um, same with Noah. It said when Noah's family enters the ark, then the people are destroyed. Um, but Noah and his family survived. They weren't taken off planet Earth. They were. They survived it. They went through it, uh, just like Lot uh, went through it. And that's what um, the Son of Man coming would be. The believers fled Jerusalem um, to the mountains. Uh, Jesus said, even run, um, don't come off the housetops. That's first century fulfillment because back then the houses were made um, together and you could run housetop to housetop and jump over the city wall. That's just how they built back then. That can't happen today. Um, this is all first century um, language. Um, and talking about, it's all about that kingdom, the spirit of God. And we talk about, well, you know, it might shock people talking about, well, I thought this is about people coming out of the ground. Jesus was granted physical resurrection to prove the kingdom. Um, 
If you look at Acts 10, 40, that's what it's saying. But that was not going to be the norm. The same with us not healing the sick and raising the dead like the apostles did. It was all for signs that this kingdom was real. But um, our resurrection, when we die, we now go straight to heaven because heaven's open. But the kingdom will last forever on earth. Um, Ephesians 3.21 says, uh, from generation to generation forever is the, is the new covenant kingdom. That means people are going to be born forever. God's going to be saving people forever. Um, that's what scripture talks about on earth is this kingdom is here. People, God's spirit amongst people adding to the kingdom. Um, Isaiah 9, 7, his government mm -hmm. will increase forever. And that's what it's talking about, increasing forever. People are going to be getting saved. Remember, Abraham was promised his seed um, will be as the sand of the sea and the stars of heaven. People are just always going to be getting saved. It's about a spiritual resurrection, not a physical. If you look at the new heaven and new earth in Isaiah 65 and 66, it they only live to be 100 and the age of trees. So they're not. this is not a promise of eternity on in the flesh. Um, and they uh, worship God from week to week. They build houses. Those passages on the new heaven and new earth is clearly what's going on today in the spiritual kingdom, not some utopian planet that's going to come where there's no sin. Scripture is talking about salvation when it talks about the new Jerusalem. It's not talking about ending this world and, and being on this new planet. It's just not Hebraic thought. I yield my time. Awesome. Just on time with 10 seconds to spare. So I appreciate that, Stacy. That concludes uh, the first eight-minute rebuttal from Stacy. Now we're going to hand it over to Kent. Kent, uh, on your first word, you, you have eight minutes. Well, thank you, sir. I have to completely disagree. Uh, you left out a vital part when you talked about God telling Noah he wouldn't destroy the world again. He said he wouldn't destroy the world again with water. This time it's with fire. So that's a, taking a partial quote from the scripture, always a dangerous thing to do. He won't destroy the earth with water. Next time it will be destroyed by fire. Anyway, back in Daniel, he said, after three score and two weeks, Messiah shall be cut off. I think everybody agrees that's Jesus being killed. The prince that shall come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary. And sure enough, the Roman army destroyed Jerusalem. And then it said, he, whoever that is, shall confirm the covenant with many for one week. They're going to make a seven-year treaty. And in the middle of the week, that would be probably three and a half years, he's going to cause the sacrifice and oblation to cease. And he's going to make it desolate. Well, the temple is going to have to be rebuilt for that to happen. The Jews are chomping at the bit to rebuild that temple. I'll show you here in a second. Let's see. He shall cause the sacrifice uh, to cease in the midst of the seven-year period. Well, the Temple Mount is about 37 acres in, in Jerusalem. The Muslims built their mosque on it, thinking they would block the Jews from ever building their temple. They didn't realize that they built it in the wrong spot. They built it over a rock because Muhammad said he had a vision as a horse dropped him off there on the big rock. And so that's now holy. And he ascended up to heaven. So there's the Temple Mount right there, 37 acres. The Dome of the Rock is on there. To the right of it, you'll see a gate that has been rock, bricked shut in, in the 1500s. Because in Ezekiel, it was prophesied the gateway toward the east uh, was shut. So the Muslim leaders of, of Jerusalem, about the year 1500, they bricked the gate shut so Jesus couldn't come back. Like, that's going to stop him. So the gate shall be shut. It shall not be opened, Ezekiel uh, 44. It's for the prince. He shall enter in, by the way. So they bricked it shut, said, ha ha. Then they put a cemetery out front to further stop the Jews from coming in. 
They didn't realize right behind that gate is an empty spot, but to the right of that gate, another 50 yards, is the actual gate during the time of Jesus. You can barely see the top of it. The cemetery's filled in there. That's the real original Eastern Gate. There's plenty of room right behind that gate to, and it's, uh, to, to, to uh, let the Jews build their temple. They have been chomping at the bit to build the temple. They're ready to go. I suspect the Muslims are going to say, hey, we will sell you 10 acres for you know 400 bazillion dollars or something like that. So one theory is that there will be a treaty. The he that makes the treaty is going to be some UN leader. A second theory is it's going to be the leader of the Muslim nations that surround and hate Israel. But there is still to come the, the Antichrist breaking the treaty and then the Great Tribulation, the time of Jacob's trouble coming soon. The first part, three and a half years, is called the Great Falling Away. Luke 18, 8, Jesus said, When the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith on the earth? I think so many are going to fall away. We're going to be surprised at how many people quit serving God in the next few years. You won't be able to buy or sell without a mark. Suppose they made, just suppose it became mandatory, you have to have a vaccine to go in the store to buy or sell. Suppose the vaccine is the mark of the beast or the forerunner to it. I suspect we're getting awfully close with that. So let's see, slide number 213. Uh, at the end of this uh, diatribe Jesus gave in uh, Matthew 24, Mark 13, Luke 21, he talked about the three and a half year time of tribulation, and then he comes Great Tribulation. So this is the time of tribulation. Couldn't be more clear in those passages. And then we have the time of the uh, coming. He said he's going to come in the clouds and blow a trumpet and call his believers up. That didn't happen back 2,000 years ago. When he opened one of the seals, heard the noise of the four beasts say, come and see. When he saw a white horse, this is the first seal in Revelation chapter 6. When he opened the second seal, he saw a horse that was red. And he took peace away from the earth. There's going to be a lot of wars going on coming soon to a city near you. When he opened the third seal, he saw a black horse and a pair of balances, and the price of food went sky high. A measure of wheat, a measure is about a quart, which you can hold in two hands, for a penny. And a penny is what you can earn in one day. A penny a day was it a common laborer. So minimum wage for a day was pick a number and call it $70. So for minimum wage, 70 bucks a day, it's going to cost 70 bucks for a quart of wheat. When he opened the fourth seal, the beast said, come and see, and a pale horse came, and there were wars. He's killing with sword, with hunger, with death, and with beasts of the earth. The animals are going to go nuts killing people. That's still coming, okay? Possibly because of the aluminum they're spraying in the chemtrails. I don't know. We shall see. When he opened the fifth seal, he saw the souls of them that were slain for the word of God, and they said, how long, Lord? When are you going to do something? And the Lord gave them white robes and said, hang on, it's not over yet till more people get killed. It's coming. When he opened the sixth seal, the sun became black as sackcloth of hair and the moon became as blood. There's the sign. The sun and the moon go dark. They had asked him, Lord, when are you coming? He said, when the sun and the moon go dark. It's mentioned 10 times in scripture from Joel to Revelation chapter six. There's the last mention. That's when the rapture takes place. We're here for the first five seals. Then we're taken out. Then the time of God's wrath falls on the world. We're not here for that. Tribulation. So you had said, uh, oh, I got several notes here. Uh, oh, slide number 249. 249. Okay. The abomination of desolation. Abomination is a thing that causes disgust or hatred. It's a, The bill is an abomination to all mankind. Pharaoh said, what's your occupation? He said, I'm a shepherd. They said, well, you guys are an abomination to the Egyptians, so you can't live here. You'll give you the land of Goshen. 
Revelation and Leviticus, it talks about, I cover this all in my video series about uh, the end times. Okay, abomination. Daniel, let's see. I want to get up to something else here. So, right here. He said clearly in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, he's coming after the tribulation when the sun and the moon go dark and there's going to be a trumpet blast and the believers are going to be caught up together with the Lord in the air. That did not happen 2,000 years ago. That is yet future. He's coming. I suspect we've got seven years. I used to teach we get raptured out before the tribulation. There are those during who they teach the pre-trib rapture. That's before the seven years. Others teach mid-trib rapture. And then there's now guys like me who have come to the conclusion, we're here for the whole thing. We're raptured out post-trib or after, after the tribulation when the sun and the moon go dark. And then the time of wrath, oh, backwards here, the time of God's wrath falls in the day of the Lord. It's about three years. That takes place while we're up in heaven at the marriage supper of the Lamb. It says in Matthew and Mark, he calls his, sends an angel with a trumpet, calls up the believers from the uttermost part of the earth to the uttermost part of heaven. We're going as One far more. away from here as we can get, and we're going to be at the marriage supper of the Lamb while God pours out his wrath. If you read about the day of the Lord, sometimes it talks about the day of the Lord being a time of great wrath. Other times the day of the Lord is a time of great blessing. It's both. The first three years, and I get that number from taking the 2,300 days that the temple is desolate, it's minus the 1,260 of the three and a half years. So I have to strongly disagree. Uh, it's still coming, uh, and we'll, we'll see. Uh, I'm going to hopefully li live through the seven years and make it to that. I don't know. I'm going to try. Thank you. All right. Perfect. Perfect. Just in time. And let me see, 20 seconds to spare, actually. So I appreciate it. Gentlemen, that concludes the opening statements and the rebuttals. So thanks to the both of you. We are now moving into the open discussion. And as always, we like to keep these discussions as equally timed as possible, discussing one topic at a time. Now, because uh, Dr. Hoven just ended with his eight-minute rebuttal, why don't we hand it over to Stacy? Stacy, if there was a, a couple points you wanted to make, followed up by a question for Kent, uh, we'll allow you to kind of lead the way for, for a few questions, and then we'll uh, hand it over to Kent to lead the way uh, with a few questions. That being said, we also uh, uh, smashed the record. We're at 315 people live right now. Uh, epic chat, very lively chat, hard to keep up with. So I appreciate the mods. The mods are doing a great job. I appreciate the support as well in terms of super stickers and super chats. And uh, just make sure you're tagging me at Standing for Truth or I will definitely miss your question. So that being said, uh, Stacy, my good man, I'm going to hand it over to you to uh, kick us off in this open discussion. The floor is yours, gentlemen. Okay, Kent. Uh, Jesus said to flee to the mountains to escape the tribulation. How do you get turn that into a planet being destroyed? Well, I think all through the scripture, there are things that happen twice. There's a precursor and then the real thing, double event, uh, like uh, uh, Abraham being called to leave his country. There's, there's all kinds of parallels in scripture. And it's true. The Jews had to flee to the mountains to escape, and it's going to come again. The fact that it happened once in 70 AD doesn't mean it can't happen again or can't be a dual fulfillment. I think you'll find that on dozens of topics in the scripture. It was called a dual fulfillment. So I don't see a problem with that. Um, I was trying to look in the Genesis chapter uh, eight or nine about the promise that he would not destroy the world with water. I can't find the exact verse here now, but. Well, uh, it's after, it's late, it's in chapter nine. Chapter, okay. I'm talking about chapter eight. He says he'll never destroy everything again like he did now. And clearly, um, fleeing to the mountain backs that up. 
it's clearly a local judgment. Um, I agree. There was a local judgment, but there's also going to come another one, a secondary what, fulfillment. Well, okay. So that's Matthew 24, 16. He says, flee to the mountains. Then he tells the apostles, that's after he tells the apostles, they will see the abomination of desolation. But then it says they will go through the tribulation, the great tribulation. Then it says immediately after is when Jesus returns with his angels. How do we transfer that into a distant future when it clearly is the apostles that are going to be present? Well, anybody, not the apostles, the disciples, anybody who follows Christ, I'd be a follower of Christ myself for 52 years now. Uh, he said he would come back and an angel would blow a trumpet and gather together his elect and take them up to heaven. Did that happen in 70 AD? Is that over with? Has there been an angel come down and blow a trumpet and people go up? First Thessalonians 5, you which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them that are sleeping. Was there yeah. a time when the dead bodies were raised out of the dead and the living saints actually took off to heaven? Are you saying that's already happened? Yeah, that's the resurrection of the old covenant dead. Because you got to keep the time indicators. You can't ignore when these things are going to take place. Daniel, sure. Daniel um, 12, 1 through 3 is um, Christ returning, the resurrection of the dead, and the gospel going out. Verse 7 tells us when, when the power of the holy people are shattered. The holy people scripturally in the Old Testament is Old Covenant Israel. So to change this to something in the distant future, um, I don't see any time indicators to do that, especially when Jesus well, says, some of you standing here will not taste death. Uh, Matthew 16, 28, until the Son of Man comes. No, no. He said, those standing here will not taste death until they see. They got to see Jesus come down, and right there, the three of the disciples did. They saw him talking to the angels in his glorified body. I think that was fulfilled then. The they did actually see the, the glorified body of Jesus Christ talking to the angels. That was so that, later those same guys died. They were died horrible deaths. So what happened there? Yeah, that does that's not when that's not when it happened six days later. The reapers didn't come resurrect the dead um, at the transfiguration. I know they try to say that's when it happened. What about he'll come back before they preach to all the cities of Israel? Matthew 10, 23. He's talking to the apostles. Okay, quote the verse again. He said, I will not return Matthew until you preach. To Three says, you will not have preached to all the cities of Israel before the Son of Man comes. Okay, do you think all the cities of Israel have heard the gospel today? He's Well, that was, that was what caused the destruction. He's saying it's going to be destroyed before all the cities hear the gospel. Is what well, let's go back. If, we, if we can put it in reverse for a second, go back. I found Genesis chapter nine. Uh, Every living creature with you, the fowl, the cattle, etc. I will verse eleven. I will establish my covenant with you. Neither shall all flesh be cut off any more by the waters of a flood. Neither shall there any more be a flood to destroy the earth. But we read later in Revelation clearly he's going to destroy the earth with fire. So I think you left out a key part about there will be another time the earth gets destroyed and it's coming by fire this time. The elements shall melt with fervent heat. It says, and there's all kinds of scriptures about that. If I had known that was coming up, I'd have got them together for tonight. Well, that's, but, yeah, that's judgment language though from Isaiah 13 and 19. It, um, the people melting in fervent heat, that's not literal. That's not, that didn't literally happen in the Babylon or to Egypt. The sun and moon becoming dark. All those things happened. 
according to the um, Hebraic thought, because it's not it's non-literal judgment language. Sun and moon are kingdoms, according to Hebrews. That's why um, the same thing with Joseph's dream. The sun and moon and stars, um, that set the template is, is talking about kingdoms. Jacob recognized that that was in his family. Um, and Jesus is saying the same thing. Because think about it. He's saying the sun and moon is um, not going to give its light. In, and he says this will happen in this generation. How do you take that to the future? Well, he said that this generation, that when they first start to see those things happen, this generation is not going to pass away. He wasn't talking about this generation I'm talking to, but the people who see these things happen, that's the generation that, that, that it won't, it, it'll be done in, before, they, before they can pass away. You've probably 10 times, I should go back and count, at least 10 times, you have said that's not literal, that's not literal. It sounds to me like we've got to have you to tell us what the Bible says. Nobody can read it on themselves. I mean, we've got to have you to tell us. I can read it. I've been reading it 52 years. Nobody's going to come up with that. It's not literal. Well, you Somebody, can't have contradictions. I so, agree. I don't. I don't have any of my theology that I know well, of. Scripture, scripture tells you that sun, the earth is here forever. Um, it's all through the Old Testament. Um, right. Ecclesiastes one four, Psalms one hundred four five, Jeremiah thirty three, um, and that's David's earth, David's sun, moon, and stars. So when it talks about the earth being destroyed, using that judgment language. Um, Clearly, it can't be literal because the sun and moon and stars, if it falls to Earth 2,000 years ago, it would destroy the planet. It's just uh, kingdom language is what, what it's talking about. If you read the Old Testament, it can't be literal. Well, so in Revelation 21, when he said, I saw a new heaven and a new earth. Yes. Is that not literal either? Again. Where's that in the Old Testament? Where's because a prophet is subject to a prophet? Where's right, right. The, no, I mean, no. you said the earth is created to live forever? I agree. Right. This earth was created to last forever. It doesn't mean it's going to. He made it. It could last forever, but it's going to be destroyed with fire, and then he's going to make a new heaven and a new earth. So the earth does last forever, and we get to rule and reign with him in Jerusalem. So I don't have a conflict in my theology there. Well, he says in Matthew 24, um, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. He's talking about old covenant Israel. Wait, wait, wait. Earth, oh, he, said, he said heaven and earth shall pass away. Yeah. But you just got done saying, is that, is that not literal? That's not literal. That's talking, about, that's talking about old covenant Israel. Heaven and earth a lot of times is recognized as old covenant Israel in Isaiah. No, wait, so wait, that's wait, why... Wait, wait, wait. Would anybody come up with that just by reading that passage? It sounds like we got to have you as the guru to tell us what anything means. No, I mean, okay. A lot of people, a lot of people teach that because the new heaven and new earth, again, is uh, covenant language. If you go to, um, if you go to Revelations twenty-one, which is supposedly after the planet's destroyed and there's no more sin, look at chat, uh, Revelations twenty-one um, twenty-five through twenty-seven. It says, in the daytime, uh, for there's no need of night, its gates will never be closed, and they will bring their glory and honor into the nations, and nothing unclean and no one who practices abominations and lying will ever come into it, but those whose names are in the book of life. So clearly there is sinners still in this new heaven and new earth. They just can't enter because they're not in the body of Christ. That's the whole point of the kingdom the new covenant 21 and 22 
it's uh, what Isaiah um, 65 and 66 is talking about. Um, it says generation to generation. That means people are having kids, um, offspring, uh, Isaiah 66. Um, clearly, it's not. we're not having kids in some new planet when there's no more sin. Um, well, why not? Is something wrong with having children? Something immoral about that? That's the first thing he told. He told that to Adam and Eve before they sinned. Well, he said we'll be like the angels, um, neither marrying nor given in marriage. Um, so I find it hard to believe that that's people having babies. <laughs> well, but clearly, sorry, you find, sorry, you find that hard to believe. I don't. Clearly, there's sin. Um, it says they live to be 100, and the ones that don't are cursed. So clearly, it's not everybody living for eternity. Um, and this is talking, about, die planet, this years talking about on the planet. I'm not talking about in heaven. When we die, we go to heaven, and we are eternal. Um, but this is talking about what happens on earth. God's kingdom is here forever, but his plan is here forever, according to scripture. Um, I, uh, I'm just saying it looks like the judgment is local when he says flee to the mountains. Don't leave the housetop. Just run out. You know, it all sounds very local. Yeah, I agree. It was local and it's going to be fulfilled again. Israel became a nation again after World War II. They were scattered for 2,000 years. Now they're a nation again. It's going to be fulfilled a second time. Uh, this is my first debate. The body of Christ is not a physical. There's no passages in Scripture talking about Israel becoming a nation again. That's not in Scripture. Well, the, did, did Israel become a nation again in 1946? But it's not biblical. Just because you put a bunch of people on a land and call them Israel, that, that has nothing to do with the Scriptures. Are, do so are there those people follow Christ? Are, are those people saved? Oh no, no, they don't. Are those people? Are those people the Jews that are in Israel now? Um, probably not. Um, from my studies, they're converts from the seventh century, because most of the Jews were destroyed. Um, so, so all, all the twelve tribes of Abraham, uh, Isaac, and Jacob, they have. Uh, are they scattered and gone? Is God done with them completely? Well, there again, how do you how do you enter the tree of life? Um, you have to believe, even a even a Jew, you, you have to believe to enter back into the tree. Um, as far as the physical being a literal Israelite, where your blood has not been tainted with any other um, nation, um, it would be very hard to believe that that there's that many left over. Okay. And then let me jump in there real quick, actually. And then, uh, Dr. Hovind, I want to give you plenty of time to respond to that. Uh, since we're about midway through the discussion now, even though you guys have both kind of been asking each other questions, we did originally have Stacy kind of lead the way. So, uh, Dr. Hovind, if you want to uh, respond to that, and then also uh, we'll allow you to kind of lead the way with, with some questions as well and continue this organic dialogue. Go ahead, Kent. Sure. Uh, I have, this is my first debate I've ever done on this topic. So I guess I, I'd like to get a slide presentation ready to answer each of the points. I've, I've got some friends who are preterists, as they call themselves. It's already happened. It's already done, over with. And I've never really, never debated with them. I just kind of, you know, I, I, I'm focused on creation, evolution. That's my ministry. That's my calling. I don't go around, you know, fighting save the owls and other, other topics. Uh, but uh, I do, this is a study of mine, and I'm very interested, and I am firmly convinced that <clears throat> after spending years studying this, that we are here for the 2,000 years man has been here after the Jerusalem was destroyed, and we're here for the tribulation. 
And it says in Matthew 24, immediately after the tribulation of those days shall the sun be darkened and the moon shall not give her light. That didn't happen yet. It didn't happen when Jesus was in the resurrection. It didn't happen 2,000 years ago. The stars shall fall from heaven. The powers of the heaven shall be shaken. That has not happened yet. And it's not, you know, it's not literal. I mean, it's not figurative. It's literal. And then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven. And then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn. And they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds. That didn't happen ever. There was never a time when all the tribes of the earth mourned. There's going to be this time. Everybody's going to see him. Probably because of the internet and television and other modern marvels. I don't know. He shall send his angels with the great sound of a trumpet. That hasn't happened yet. And they shall gather together his elect from the four winds from one end of heaven to the other. So the sun and the moon need to be darkened. The stars got to fall. The son of man has to appear. Tribes of the earth mourn. All see the son of man. Sends the angels with the trumpet. It didn't happen yet. So the, the sun shall be darkened. The moon shall not give her light. Mark 13. The stars of heaven shall fall. None of this has happened. I don't know how you can say it has. Okay, they see the Son of Man coming in the clouds. He left in a cloud, and they told the, the angels came and told the disciples he's coming back like he left. That hasn't happened yet. It's still future. He shall send his angels and gather together his elect from the four winds, from the uttermost part of the heaven to the uttermost part of earth, or of heaven, earth and heaven. So the powers of heaven are shaken. The signs, there are going to be signs in the sun and the moon. This has not happened. Men's hearts failing them for fear. They shall see the Son of Man coming in a cloud. He left in a cloud 2,000 years ago, and now next time he comes back in a cloud. Luke 21, lift up your heads, your redemption draweth nigh. First and second Thessalonians mention the, com mention the coming of the Lord in every single chapter. In the letter written by Paul to the Thessalonians, he said, wait for his Son from heaven. Well, this is during the time of the disciples going around preaching. He hadn't come back yet. He delivered us from the wrath. Is in the presence of our, aren't you our disciples in the presence of our Lord Jesus at his coming? He hadn't come back yet. At the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, 1 Thessalonians 4, concerning them which are asleep, those that have died, he, he, he's coming back. Let's see, uh, 1 Thessalonians 5. Let me get up here. I got tons of stuff. Comfort yourself with the comfort. Of, let's see, don't, I don't want that day to overtake you like a thief. 2 Thessalonians, when the Lord shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels. That hasn't happened yet. Uh, when he shall come to be glorified in his saints, to be admired in all them that believe, because our testimony among you was believed in that day. That hasn't happened. We beseech you by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together unto him. We've not been gathered together unto him yet. This is the day of Christ, which is the rapture. Don't be deceived, he says, by those who say this already took place. That day shall not come except there come a falling away first and the man of sin be revealed. The man of sin has not been revealed. Nobody knows who the Antichrist is yet. That's coming. With my theology and what I teach, Antichrist gets revealed in the middle of the tribulation when he breaks the treaty and people realize, oh no, that's not Jesus. He said there's going to be the temple rebuilt, probably starting the treaty to build it. I think is going to start this fall. I think next month we shall see with one of the seven feasts of Israel. Once that treaty is made, the seven-year period starts. Three and a half years later, Antichrist will be revealed. He hasn't been revealed yet. I don't know how that fits in your theology. We should be patient waiting for the Christ to come. That's the day of the Lord Jesus. The day of the Lord Jesus is a, the day of Christ is a one-day event. The day of the Lord is a thousand-year. 
the day of the Lord Jesus. Anyway, watch my book, watch my video series. I, I strongly disagree with your position that all this has happened. We're still waiting for the day of Christ. Uh, let's see. And then let me just jump in there uh, real quick. Ken, if you wanted to kind of wrap up your points there, I definitely want to uh, make sure we're doing equal time. So Stacy, right, right. we'll hand it over to you uh, for however you'd you'd like to respond. Uh, but Ken, definitely wrap up your points there. Okay, well, this, this, the key point that he told us, they said, Lord, when are you coming and what's the sign? Matthew 24, Mark 13, Luke 21. He answered their question. When the sun and the moon go dark, that hasn't happened yet. It's still coming. It comes at the end of the seven-year tribulation time. Coming soon to a city near you. The sun shall be darkened. The moon shall not cause her light to shine. Isaiah talks about it. Isaiah 24 talks about it. Ezekiel 32 talks about it. Joel chapter 2, Joel chapter 2, verse 31. Joel 3 talks about it. Matthew 24, Mark 13, Luke 21, Acts 2. The sun and the moon turned to, dark, sun, turned to darkness here. Revelation 6 is the last mention. That hasn't happened yet. I'm sorry. Uh, I think you're wrong. We're, we've got tough times coming. And I think your theology is going to make people want to fall away when they realize, oh, no, it's getting bad out there. They're persecuting Christians. I'm telling people, get ready. You're probably going to get killed. The persecution is coming. So, okay, go ahead. Go ahead, Stacy. Take as much time as you need to, to respond. As far as... <clears throat> All right. As far as Thessalonians, they were expecting to be redeemed to escape the wrath. Paul promised that they would escape the wrath. First Thessalonians 1.10. Um, Jesus will rescue them from the wrath to come. Um, if you go to Second Thessalonians 2, there were people that thought Jesus had already came back. He said, don't be deceived. It hadn't happened yet. Um, they, of course, it's not a little man coming back to land on Jerusalem. You wouldn't be able to deceive anybody. He would be there. It was about a destruction in Jerusalem, judgment. Um, so things were happening. There was a lot of bad stuff going on. And so people were being told that well, that was the coming of the Lord, which it wasn't because they knew it was um, symbolic of when the temple and the city was destroyed. And that didn't happen yet. In fact, 2 Thessalonians 2.4 says the man of sin was sitting in the temple. That means the temple hadn't been destroyed yet. So this is probably in the 60s um, AD. Um, All-time indicators in every letter is first century. James said, James 5.8 said, um, the coming of the Lord's at hand. Um, 1 John 2.8, it said, darkness is passing away and the light already shines. That's talking about the old covenant is about to pass away. Light represents the new covenant. But then he says, we are in the last hour, 1 John 2.18. It was that close. Um, Peter said in 1 Peter 4.7, the end of all things is at hand. They're talking about the, all things that they know, the old covenant. They're not talking about the eternal new covenant age from generation to generation, which is the spirit of God um, that was going to be among men, which is the whole point of this which we hadn't talked about. The entire point of the Bible is about the new covenant that's going to come, which is God's spirit in us and among us, which is Revelations 21, God's spirit coming down. Um, that is the new covenant, the new heaven and new earth is God's spirit. Again, it's not a literal changing of the planet. That would contradict so many scriptures. You just have to understand judgment language. Sun, moon, and stars is judgment language. I mean, it fell, I don't know how many times in the Old Testament. 
clearly it didn't literally happen. The planet would have really been destroyed if the sun and moon became dark and the stars fell. Um, it's non-literal. I mean, it happened too many times in the Old Testament. It's just kingdom changes um, is what it means. Um, again, all this stuff sounds good, but when you study the scriptures, it doesn't hold anything to what the scriptures is teaching. Um, but that, that's all I'll say. And I'm going to jump in there real quick. I appreciate that response. I got four minutes left on the discussion, so we'll do a couple more uh, rounds of this back and forth. I like this. Uh, Dr. Hoven, take your time for your response. Well, I, I'm deeply concerned. He keeps saying the phrase, this is non-literal. You think anybody reading Isaiah 13, 10 would think this is non-literal? The stars of heaven and the constellations thereof shall not give their light. The sun shall be darkened and is going forth. The moon shall not cause her light to shine. Isaiah 24, the moon shall be confounded and the sun shall be ashamed. Make the stars dark, I will cover the sun with a cloud and the moon shall not give her light. Joel chapter 2, there are 10 times where it mentions the sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood. Nobody in history has ever interpreted that like you're doing it. Everybody thought the sun and the moon are going to go dark because it says the sun and the moon are going to go dark. That's the obvious reading of this passage. We don't need you to tell us what it means. He said, okay. after the tribulation, I agree. You mentioned about him sitting in the temple. Well, that's why it fits perfectly. The temple is going to be rebuilt. And then he's going to be sitting in that temple when it gets uh, abomination of desolation takes place. Okay, go ahead. They would not be talking about a future temple when their temple's still standing. That, that wouldn't make any sense. But anyway, let's go to Isaiah 13. The The... Whole thing is about the pronouncement concerning Babylon. This is Babylon that's going to be destroyed, um, and all this language, sun, moon, and stars. This isn't about um, Jesus coming back and destroying the planet. This is language used everywhere. If you go to Isaiah 19, it's about Egypt and when God destroyed Egypt. Um, it's using all that same language. It's talking about God coming on the clouds. There it is, um, the coming on the clouds. And Jesus, when it talks Revelations 1, 7, it says those that pierced him will see him coming on the clouds. Those that pierced him died 2,000 years ago. It's, it's, just, it's not talking about um, they're literally going to see a little man riding on the cloud because Jesus said they would never see the Son of Man again, not one day, Luke 17, 22. Um, it's just not, it just doesn't hold up the scripture when you study the Old Testament because a prophet is subject to a prophet. If sun, moon, and stars is, is symbolic in the Old Testament, um, we can't say that it's going to be a destruction of a planet. Jesus is saying flee to the mountains, and then he says he's not going to destroy every creature again. Um, it just doesn't add up when you look at all the scripture. Well, he's not going to destroy every creature again with water, okay? And as far as uh, those who pierced him are going to see him, uh, they, then they also which pierced him. The dead are going to rise. Everybody's going to be raised for judgment. Everybody, dead, saved, lost, everybody, they, the ones who actually pierced him are going to see him, and every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father, coming soon to a city near you. So I think uh, I, I don't see how anybody would come up with these passages as saying, they are not literal. I will cover the sun with a cloud and the moon shall not give her light. A day of darkness and gloominess, a day of clouds. Let's see, Joel 2, the sun shall be turned into darkness 
and the moon into blood before the great and terrible day of the Lord come. The day of the Lord is the thousand year final kingdom set with you know, the seventh thousand year period on earth. I believe all of history is going to work out to be exactly 7,000 years, 6,000 years, and then a day of rest, the thousand year millennial. We shall see. If the creation dates are correct, the creation was about 4,000 BC. Jesus came about 2,000 years ago. So we're getting close to the end of the uh, 6,000 years. I think uh, there's going to be another 1,000-year kingdom. Anyway, I, I, I'm baffled that you or anybody would think these passages about the sun and moon being darkened are not literal. After those days, the sun shall be darkened and the moon shall not give her light. You know, he's talking to his disciples. Is he lying to them? I'm sorry, I, 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 I cannot well, understand. Saying, they're going through it, and it's going to happen to their generation. See, we can't ignore the time indicators. Um, I'm not. And and him, uh, Jesus coming on the clouds and those that pierced him seeing him, that's chapter 1 of Revelations. Uh, he didn't return and resurrect until chapter 20. Um, it doesn't fit. And, and look at the time indicators in chapter 1 of Revelations. It's the Revelation that says, um, these things will shortly take place for the time is at hand. Verse 9 says John is going through the tribulation with them. Um, it, none, it just doesn't fit if you look at all the time. The, the 144,000 are the first fruits of God. That's the first people saved in the new covenant. Not at the end of time. They're not the last fruits. Um, there, there's just no indicators pointing to a futuristic. And there again, we're, we're ignoring the whole point of Scripture. It's God's Spirit in us, the new covenant among men. Um, I never hear that discussed. I'm just going to jump in there real quick. I appreciate those points, uh, Stacy. This has been an epic, epic debate, incredibly engaging. Um, Stacy, you did start the discussion. So, Kent, um, if you have a few points or comments you wanted to make pertaining to uh, what Stacy just finished off with there, then we're going to jump right into the closings. So then, Stacy, whatever you may want to respond to, we'll save it for your closing statement. Uh, go ahead, Kent. Okay, well, as I said, this is the first time I've ever debated this topic, and I guess I didn't fully understand what all uh, his position entailed. I am way too busy fighting the other dragon of creation evolution, so I don't have time to, I'm sure there's already people debating this, you know, preterist versus uh, futurist uh, topic, so I don't know if I have time to get more into it, but uh, it, what I've heard from you is, uh, you know, it's not literal, it's not literal. This is how all cults get started. You know, you need me to tell you what it says. That's what the Mormons do. That's what the Jehovah's Witnesses do. That's what the Catholics do. You can't understand that book. You got to have me tell you what it says. Forget it. Anybody can just read the book. Nobody's going to come up with what you said just without your help. So I, I'm, I'm disappointed that you would A, believe that and B, try to teach that to other people because I think it's going to destroy their faith in the word rather than build their faith. I encourage people, read the Bible. You can read the whole thing and about... 40 hours if you read fast. So just read it and read it again. I've read it many, many times, and I've, I've never heard what you just said until tonight. Uh, like, where did you get that? It's not literal. It's not literal. It's not literal. Anyway, so I think you're wrong. Uh, I think you better get ready. We're headed for tribulation. The temple's going to be rebuilt. You're going to see a treaty made probably soon, and they're going to start rebuilding that temple. In the three and a half years later, they're going to break the treaty, and Antichrist will be revealed. We're going to know, oh, no, that's the Satan. You're going to see a time where you have to receive a mark to buy or sell. That's coming like a freight train, coming soon. Better get ready for that. Go ahead. Okay, well, I appreciate those final words, uh, 
Kent concluding this uh, discussion, an hour and a half really has flown by. We've got a great chat, uh, well over 300 people enjoying this debate. So that being said, we do have five minute closing statements. So uh, gentlemen, I know you guys always have a, a round in the chamber, I'm sure in terms of responses. So Stacy, if there's anything you wanted to kind of address there, uh, we're gonna hand it to you for a five minute closing. We've also got a ton of great questions from the audience too, uh, pertaining to end times theology. So we'll get to as many of those as we can. Stacy, you have uh, five minutes whenever you're ready. All right. Um, if you picked up the Bible and read it without anybody telling you what it says, you will get what I'm saying. The reason we believe like Kent is because that's what we're told. Everything he's saying tonight is just put into scripture. It doesn't say it. All the temple language judgment is about that group of people in that temple that was standing while they were alive. It's nothing to do with something rebuilt temple in the future. There's no scriptures backing that. Um, all the time indicators in Daniel clearly tells you when it's going to happen. He gives you 70 weeks. If you put a gap, it's not 70 weeks anymore. You're talking now over a thousand weeks. Um, it's just not, it's just destroying the scriptures and it's actually calling them all liars. If you got the apostles and Jesus and God's word telling you when all this is going to take place, um, then you're just discrediting everything they're saying. Uh, Deuteronomy 22, 18 says the prophet has got to be true to his people, what he's speaking about. So if Jesus said all this stuff's going to happen to them and it doesn't, he's a false prophet. And um, when our kids are going to school in colleges, these professors are standing up there and they're showing our 18-year-old kids that, you know, Jesus lied. He said he was coming back during his generation. So I don't know why, you know, y'all go to church and stuff because he was a false prophet. They use that stuff against us because that's what we teach. We don't back up what Jesus said because Jesus can't lie. Everything he said was exactly like he said it. Um, he was the image of God that came. So now he's up in heaven. His return clearly is without observation. You won't see the Son of Man again. It was in judgment. God in the affairs of men, just like in Isaiah. Um, it's not some little man landing in Jerusalem. The new Jerusalem now is the Spirit of God. Read your Bible. It's not some physical planet coming out of heaven. There's nothing physical in heaven. Um, that goes against scripture. Um, it's God's spirit coming down. That's what all the prophets said. Isaiah, Ezekiel, all of them said, talked about this spirit coming down, the new covenant. That's God among men. Um, they didn't have, they didn't have that in the old Testament. Um, it, it's just a bunch of made up stuff was taught because it makes, I mean, it'll draw, it draws a crowd. When you can tell people it could happen in their generation, you're going to draw a crowd. You know, when you take stuff and you make it, you know, dramatic and, and put fear in people, um, of course it makes for good preaching, but it, it's calling all the prophets and apostles liars on what they said. And it's dangerous. Um, and I know we don't like, that there's not going to be some new planet because we love our fleshly bodies. We love, you know, the physical world. Um, but the physical world is going to always be here. But the person that's saved 
when they die now go straight to heaven uh, because the uh, heaven was opened when the temple was destroyed. Um, and that's why there was a um, general resurrection of a lot of people that had died because that's when heaven was open. And so they had to, God resurrected those who are asleep um, and judged them by all the books. Notice there's multiple books open. That's because they were judged by the law, their deeds, and by the book of life. Um, it's, it's a resurrection of the old covenant dead because um, they were in Abraham's bosom. They were in uh, like in limbo until heaven was open. That's just a, that's just the way God did it, and that's what that's how it's taught in Scripture. Um, so now the kingdom is on earth as in heaven, on earth as it is in heaven. So it's in heaven One uh, when we're resurrected, but it's on earth too. The kingdom, the spirit of God, um, as people get saved and add, add, builds His government, um, Isaiah nine seven. Um, generation to generation. Um, that's what it says. Um, it just fits perfectly. All the time indicators, everything is, is about the kingdom's beginning during that fourth kingdom, which was the Roman Empire. Um, it fit everything in time indicators is in first century. Um, and I'll yield my time. Okay, perfect. Thank you so much for that five minute concluding statement, uh, Stacy. I appreciate that. Uh, let me just reset the timer here, and we're going to hand it over to Kent. Kent, you also have up to five minutes for your concluding statement. Jesus went up in a cloud. He's going to come back in a cloud. First time he came as a baby. Next time he's coming as king. There are two distinct parts to his second coming. Uh, let's see. You mentioned something I wanted to cover. Oh, there, there's a, a the 70 weeks of Daniel were not consecutive. There is a gap between 69 and 70, even in Daniel when the prophecy was given. It's called a parenthetical phrase. The Jews did not receive their Messiah. They rejected him. God said, okay, I'm going to take this natural olive branch, take them off, and graft in the wild olive branch, Romans chapter 8. We're supposed to be bearing fruit. We're not doing very well. He's going to take us off and put the natural branch back in. They have one more week to go the 70th week of Daniel. So there are two distinct parts to his coming. He's going to come down just to the clouds, call us up three and a half, three and a half years later, or 1,040 days later, he's going to come uh, and come down and touch down on the Mount of Olives. This time he comes down as king. He returns on a white horse all the way to the Mount of Olives to defeat Satan. That hasn't happened yet. And the Battle of Armageddon is going to be still future. The Valley of Megiddo in Israel, a huge valley up in northern Israel called the second advent. So first he's going to come down and call us up with a trumpet and take us up to heaven. We're up at the marriage supper of the lamb while all hell breaks loose on earth and the wrath of God falls on the planet. We're not appointed unto wrath, but in the world ye shall have tribulation, Jesus said. Then the second time he comes down with us on white horses and touches down on the Mount of Olives. It splits in half. The Dead Sea comes to life because fresh water comes into it. So there's the rapture event. And then uh, 1,040 days later, almost three years, there's called the second advent. First time he comes for his bride, then he comes with his bride. And you can see all the similarities in my book and on my chart. So the day of Christ is a busy day. He comes down, calls us up on white horses. We'll go to the marriage supper of the lamb while God's wrath falls on the planet and he cleans house. The day of Christ is mentioned seven times in the Bible. They're all right here. You can read that. The sun and the moon going dark mentioned 10 times in the Bible. It hasn't happened yet. The rapture, the coming in the clouds, has not happened yet. He left in a cloud, and he's coming back in a cloud. That didn't happen in the first century. 
then the judgment seat of Christ is coming. The judgment seat of Christ is only for the Christians. We're going to be judged according to our works. Why dost thou judge thy brother? We shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Romans chapter 14. Why dost thou judge thy brother? We shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Now, Romans also talks about every knee shall bow. Everyone shall give an account to God. As that time is coming. Don't put a stumbling block in front of others. We can read all that first, John. We may have boldness in the day of judgment. I want to be stand before God and say, Lord, I tried my best. But I'm not going to be judged whether I can go to heaven or not. That was already settled because of what Jesus did. It's all, I became his child by faith. Now, whether I do some work for him, that's a different story. We're going to be judged for our works. Now, if any man build upon the foundation, gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble, it's going to be tried by fire. Many people are working for the Lord. They're really God's children, but they're doing everything with the wrong motive, and they're building with wood, hay, stubble, and judgment day is going to be burned up. He's going to say, you did that for the wrong reason, didn't you? If any man's work abide, he shall build therewith, which he hath built upon thereupon, he shall receive a ward. But he shall be saved. He's still going to heaven, yet so as by fire. So I, I'm, I'm, this, like I said, it's my first debate on this topic, and I'm not totally familiar with all the things you believe. I, I'd have to really strongly disagree on many of the things you brought up. I think uh, my chart that I did hits the nail on the head. I spent years on this. They put me in prison for nine years, and I, I had been a pre-tribber all my life for 40 years. And I really poured myself into this for years and had uninterrupted time to do that. This is the way it's going to happen. The rapture is coming uh, after the tribulation. Then there's a time called the day of the Lord, a thousand year period. And then he sets up his final kingdom on earth, a new heaven and a new earth after the great white throne judgment, which comes at the end. Okay, let's see. The wrath of God has come. So the day of the Lord is a day of wrath and then a day of great blessing. So you got a day of wrath and then a time of great blessing. Two witnesses. Anyway, we cover all that. I really, I, we'll do this again sometime if I get time to do this, but uh, I'm, it didn't change my mind on anything. So you're welcome to try again sometime. Come visit Dinosaur Adventureland. We'll give you a tour around here. Certainly the two witnesses, Enoch and Elijah, haven't come back yet. That's still future. Go ahead. All right, gentlemen. Well, thank you so much. That concludes the concluding statements. Uh, awesome debate, uh, very engaging. An hour and a half really has flown by. Uh, like I said before, this has been our biggest chat yet. So clearly it has been a much anticipated debate. We've still got 350 people in the chat. That being said, we could spend the next 10 hours on questions, but we won't <laughs> because I know you gentlemen uh, want to get to bed at some point. So I'm going to put a timer for the Q&A and we'll uh, we'll just get through as many as as we can then. Um, actually, before we get into the the questions, though, for anybody who's new to the channel, we're going to be back here next week. Uh, Ken Hove is going to be back debating Sky Out. It's going to be the Great Genesis Flood debate. Is the Genesis Flood global or local? So that's another one I am really looking forward to. Uh, the same week, uh, Stacey will be back here debating Matt Slick on the Trinity. That's going to be a ton of fun. And at the end of the month, Kent, again, busy, busy man, is going to be here debating Mark Reed, Noah's Ark, and Noah's Flood, fact or fiction. So if you're not yet subscribed, please make sure you are subscribed so you can be uh, notified for these epic, epic debates. So that being said, let's get to the questions. As we always do here, gentlemen, let's say the questions for Stacy will allow Kent to have a response, but we will always make sure that uh, whoever had the question first gets the last word. And that way we can move, al move along smoothly. Okay, so we have uh, in the form of a super chat from Michael 
the Canadian atheist. I appreciate your support, Michael. He says, for Stacy, if all scripture is God breathed, how is it not literal when it says what it says? Go ahead. Um, you have to, all you do is compare scripture with scripture. Um, is, is clearly if you take it for what it says, you'll get, gain understanding. The problem is the church is illiterate to the Old Testament. They build their entire doctrine on what they're told about the New Testament. Your foundation should be the Old Testament. So when you go to the New Testament, it's the fulfillment of the Old. So when you understand sun, moon, and stars, if you knew the old scriptures, then you'll you'll know what it's talking about in the new. Um, we, that's much, many much terminologies the same way. Um, so I mean, just like I said, Joseph had a dream. The sun, moon, and stars bowed to him. Is of course that's not literal. Um, and Jacob explained it to us. He immediately said that was him and his family. So that sets the foundation. Um, the same with Adam dying the day he sinned. He didn't die physically the day that he sinned. <laughs> he died spiritually. Um, and that's what scripture is about. Um, God's spirit in us is the new covenant. It's not talking about new physical bodies. Um, it's just not, it, it doesn't line up with what it's talking about. Um, and it's all about, we're just illiterate. We, to be honest, we don't study the whole scriptures. Um, and that's my answer. Well, I appreciate that answer, Stacy. I appreciate the question from Michael. Uh, Kent, if you had a response, anything you wanted to say, go ahead. Well, I think it's a good, fair question. I think uh, the Bible has 31,101 verses, and certainly some of them are figurative. Uh, but when something's mentioned 10 times, like the sun and the moon going dark, and it doesn't have a later explanation, like with Jacob and Esau, the sun, moon, and stars are going to bow to you. It was explained this is going to be your family. That's not explained in any of the other ones about the sun and the moon going dark. So if the Bible is figurative, oftentimes it is explained. You know, Jesus told parables and then explained what they meant. But those 10 verses I showed about the sun and the moon going dark do not have an explanation later that says, hey, this is not really going to happen. It's just figurative. It didn't say that. So I think this is wild theology we're hearing tonight. Okay, I appreciate that response, Kent. And Stacy, if you wanted to have a quick final word, and then we'll get to another one of these questions. Go ahead, Stacey. Um, Just to give an example, uh, trees and fruit in Scripture are almost always figurative to people and their actions. Um, this is all throughout Scripture. But there again, get your foundation from the Old Testament. That way, when you get to the New Testament, you'll understand. So when Jesus says he's a tree of life, he's not, you know, your preacher tells you that's not literal, so you accepted that. But the rest of it, you 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 didn't take um, figuratively because your preacher told you the planet was going to be destroyed and the sun and moon was going, you know, all that was going to be literal. It, it, but if you get it from the Old Testament, you'll find out it all lines up. Just teach it the same way they taught it. Okay, I appreciate that response, Stacy. Let's get right to this next question. This one comes in from Kevin. This one's for you, uh, Brother Hoven, Kevin says. So question is, what scripture evidence do you have that the wrath of God is poured out after the seven years? I always thought it happened at the last three years of the tribulation. The tribulation, uh, God said in, in the world, you shall have tribulation. 
But he said, his, his children are not appointed unto wrath. If you read the probably 200 verses in the Bible about what's called the day of the Lord, let me get this uh, slide number 449. Okay, Alt-DV 449. Uh, the day of the Lord, if you read all the verses, and I've got many of them on my chart and in my book on the topic, what on earth is about to happen, it's mentioned many times. I'm going to pick a number and say well over 100 times the day of the Lord is mentioned. Quite often it's talked about as a day of wrath. But way more often than that, it's talked about as a day of great blessing. So there are two parts to the day of the Lord. While we're up in heaven having the marriage feast of the Lamb, all hell's breaking loose on earth as God pours out his wrath on the planet. And there are, uh, I can read some of the verses about the, in the day of the Lord. Uh, Revelation 14, 15, 16, 19, uh, the indignation talked about in Isaiah. They're all on my chart. The little charts are 10 bucks. The big versions of it are 25, the big color chart you can use. I think I hit it right on the head. I think this is what the church has always taught. So the day of the Lord is, has two parts to it, a time of wrath when God cleanses things and kicks butt, and then a time of great blessing, almost a thousand years. When, he, when, we're, when then we're ruling with him from Jerusalem during that time. I want to be mayor of Lennox when it happens, okay? <laughs> I appreciate that, Ken. I appreciate the question. Stacy. if you added a, a couple points or something you wanted to add to that question, yeah. go ahead. Yeah, Revelation is clear. It's 42 months tribulation, and it happened from 67 to 70. Um, just like in the day of Lot, the good part of Israel fled. Um, Jesus told them, flee to the mountains, get out of the city. Um, don't leave the housetop because you can run across everybody's housetop and get to outside the city. That's first century language. Um, the persecution was on the Israel that didn't believe. The part of Israel that did believe got out the city. Um, so yeah, that it was 42 months tribulation um, on the city and the temple. Go ahead. Okay, I appreciate that. Uh, the question was for you, Kent, originally, so you can have the last word there. Yeah, no, I have nothing else to add on that. That sounds great. Okay, I appreciate it. So this next question, uh, not really specified to anybody in particular, but it's a question on, uh, let me see here, uh, the mark of the bee. So we can uh, just make it a question for both. Question comes in from Seth Thompson at Standing for Truth. Does the mark of the beast come mid-trib or beginning of the tribulation? Um, why don't we uh, start with Dr. Kent? Uh, it, it says, if you do not receive the mark, you cannot buy or sell. This is the punishment. Uh, what on earth could do that? It's coming like a freight train. Uh, you cannot, the punishment for not getting the mark is you can't buy or sell. So that's going to be kind of hard on folks. Uh, I think when Luke 18, 8, Jesus said, when the son of man cometh, shall he find faith on the earth? Is there going to be anybody left serving him? And it's kind of one of those questions like, you know, probably not, probably not many. I think the rapture is going to be an almost non-event. There'll be very few left to be caught up together with him in the clouds. I think most are going to be killed for their faith, for probably for not receiving the mark. They're going to make it like you line up. We're going to cut your head off if you don't do this because you're endangering everybody else. Well, if your vaccine protects you, what are you worried about me for? Idiot for theology there, medical science there. But OK, go ahead. I appreciate that, Kent. Appreciate the question. Uh, Stacy. I, I guess you can uh, also, if we were to reword the question, you know, what do you think about the mark of the beast? How does that fit in with, with your theology? Uh, go ahead, Stacy. 
Um, I, this could be literal. Um, there again, I know when it happened because it tells us. Um, but I also know what you'll never hear anybody tell you is that the believers had the mark of God in their forehead. Um, so if you in the Old Testament, there was a mark on their forehead. I think that's it's teaching how you believe and how you live, the right hand, how you live. So are you going to follow the beast and the false prophet um, and not believe in Christ? Or are you going to have the mark of God in your forehead and believe in Christ? Um, that's just how I see it. All right. I appreciate that. Let's get right to this next question here. I'm going to pop it up on screen for you, uh, for you gentlemen. Um, question from Susie Pittman. So I appreciate the question for either or both. Where in the Bible does it say the tribulation is seven years, except for the interpretation of Daniel's dream? Um, we can start with you if you'd like, uh, Kent. Well, uh, good question. Uh, I, I don't can't quickly think of a scripture besides the Daniel one, though the Daniel one is plenty about it being seven years, the 70th week of Daniel. Um, I'll look through my slides here. I've only got 8 million of them. Uh, let hear Stacy's answer on that one first, because I don't I'll see if there is another one. I'm trying to think. Sure, no problem. Stacy, go ahead. Well, the last week of Daniel, there again. Um, so from the decree to the Messiah is 69 weeks. So then you got seven years left. Well, in the middle of the week, the sacrifice and grain offering ceased. That's the sacrifice of Christ. <clears throat> in God's mind, that's the only way sacrifice ceases, is when Jesus died. He only went to the house of Israel uh, because of this prophecy. It wasn't time to go to the rest of the world yet. And so did the apostles for three and a half years. They only went to Israel until Peter gets the vision. Um, so... And the people of the prince come, and the prince is Jesus in that passage. And he will confirm a covenant for one week. The, the covenant confirmer is God in Scripture. So Jesus fulfills the covenant. Um, none of that is any antichrist or anything in the future. Um, again, the tribulation is 42 months. Um, I can't remember. I don't know where, she, where they're talking about seven years, but... Um, Anyway, it doesn't have anything to do with the seven, the last seven years of the Daniel prophecy. Okay, I appreciate that uh, answer. Stacy, any, any final thoughts or points on that question, uh, Kent? Well, yeah, if you look at the Daniel prophecy, the 70th week, in the middle of the week, uh, this ties right in exactly, three and a half years would be the middle of seven. It ties in exactly with what is taught in uh, Matthew 24, Mark 13, where it says, in Matthew 24, for instance, in the middle, you can't read it on my chart there, but he said, uh, verse 15, Matthew 24, 15. When ye therefore shall see the abomination of desolation, spoken of by Daniel the prophet, stand in the holy place, whoso readeth, let him understand. You see it again talking about the abomination, and Luke, I mean Mark, Mark 13, 14. When ye shall see the abomination of desolation, uh, when you see, you see it again in Luke 21, uh, verse uh, 20. When you shall see Jerusalem compassed with armies, you know that the uh, desolation thereof is nigh. The city, abomination of desolation, when they're going to destroy the temple again, or at least desolate the temple, sacrifice a pig on the altar or something, it comes in the middle of this seven-year period and in the midst of the week. So 
it fits in perfectly with Matthew 24, Mark 13, and Luke 21. But uh, that's a good question. I have to do some more checking. Is there any place else you could prove it's seven years? Uh, one scripture is enough, but uh, I think that's, uh, and I, it certainly has not happened yet. If it was uh, Jesus, 69 weeks until Messiah comes, well, there's an interlocking in, in, space of time there before he was crucified, you know, his lifespan. Uh, yeah, good, good question. I'll, I'll have to research on that. Go ahead. All right. Well, I appreciate it. Uh, we are coming at, up at the two-hour mark. This debate has flown by. Been been a great debate. Definitely a must-watch. So I'm going to wrap it up with this last question. And I want to apologize to anybody in the chat whose question I didn't get to. If we got to every question, we'd be here all day. So we're going to wrap it up with this last question. Questions for you, Stacy. Question comes in from Mark. Will Will there be a great falling away of believers if the rapture does not happen when things get real? Well, the apostasy talked about in scripture was first century. Um, it was happening in their day. <laughs> they were going through it. Um, the rapture again, the resurrection of the dead, spiritually, not physically, 1 Corinthians 15, uh, without observation, it happened. It was the old covenant dead that was resurrected. You get that from Daniel 12. Um, because heaven opened, and so all these people that weren't resurrected yet were waiting for heaven to open. That's when it happened. And so from then on, when you die, you immediately go to heaven. But the kingdom reigns still on earth from generation to generation. So the apostasy was first century, and it's pretty much still going on. I mean, we're in the very infant stages of the new covenant age, which lasts forever, according to Scripture. There's no end to it according to Daniel 2 and Isaiah 59 and everywhere. There's no end to it. It's forever. Um, so that's my end. There will always be tribulation, and uh, you know, but the kingdom of God will reign forever. All right. I appreciate that answer. Uh, Stacy Kent, if you had any thoughts or points you wanted to add to that, uh, go ahead. Well, I, I'm, I'm confused then. Uh, is Stacy saying, we really don't have any single event to look forward to, like a rapture or a, a second coming of Christ. Are we just gradually? Are, are we going to gradually bring in this kingdom? I mean, is, are things getting better in your theology? I have, I have an actual event to look forward to called the rapture. It hasn't happened yet. There's been, not been a time when a trumpet blew from heaven and gathered people up. It hasn't happened yet. It's coming. All right. I appreciate that, Stacy. It was your, your question. If you wanted to have, uh, um, yeah, think about this. These people, you, we're probably going to be dead. We're going to be in heaven with God. Why are we worried about coming back in the flesh? We're going to be with our creator. We, we just don't have faith in his plan. That's the problem. We love our fleshly bodies. We love this teaching about coming out of the ground. It doesn't match what scripture teaches. We just need to trust God and just teach what he said and make him true. If we make him true, then the scripture will make sense to anybody and nobody can use it against you. But when a professor can just point right there and say, look, Jesus lied. He didn't come back in his generation. And you got 18 year olds turning into atheists. Nothing you can do against that because the church is teaching that, that everything Jesus said didn't happen. Okay. Well, I appreciate that, Stacy. Uh, awesome debate. Great Q and a, um, 
again, I apologize to anybody in the chat. I know I've missed some super chats and questions, but uh, you know, with, with an audience of, of well over 330 people, it'd be impossible to get to everything. So that being said, uh, thank you so much to Kent and Stacy, uh, Gentlemen, thank you for giving us your time. Any final words from, from you guys, uh, Dr. Kent? Maybe we'll start with you. Some, some no, I just encourage, encourage everybody, if you're not sure you're going to heaven, give your heart to the Lord and get saved. That's what really matters. Amen. All the future stuff, you know, it's kind of sure. secondary. And if you'd like more on our material on science or the Bible, you can go to drdino.com, D-R-D-I-N-O, or YouTube. Oh, we may have uh, got Kent disconnected slightly early, but uh, the debate is technically over at this point. So that being okay. said, Stacy, why don't you, oh, I think Kent might be back. Um, I just want to say everybody, everybody support Kent. I love his ministry. I love his battle against evolution. He's on point. Um, he's excellent on Noah's flood, the ark. Um, I just love his ministry. Been following him for 20 years, probably almost. Um, but um, enjoy this debate tonight. We got to talk about the scriptures and uh, cause this teaching uh preterism is just not out there. Um, we need to search the scriptures and I appreciate this debate, Don. Um, love your channel. I appreciate it. I appreciate it, brothers. Thanks so much again. You guys are awesome and made for an epic, epic debate. So anyways, we'll see you again next week uh, for two more debates, one with Stacy and one with uh, Ken Hoven again. So to the chat, thanks so much for the support and saying for truth is out. God bless.